You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. It's Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is August 21st. I'm sitting in a hotel room in Columbus, Ohio, where Atlanta United rallied to draw Columbus 2-2 at beautifullower.com field. It's a fantastic stadium. It was a great game that was perhaps influenced by two questionable calls by referee Joe Dickerson, and we're going to get to that in a minute. With the draw, Atlanta United remains five points out of the seventh and final playoff spot with eight games remaining and a very tough schedule that starts next Sunday with a team they should beat, D.C. United, but with Atlanta United, it's always difficult to say that they're definitely going to beat anybody. It looked like they were going to beat Columbus tonight. It was probably the best game I've seen this team play under any manager in a long time. They opened the scoring with a header by Santiago, or I'm sorry, with a laser by Santiago Sosa in the 21st minute for his first goal in Major League Soccer. But then, despite dominating the game, Columbus came back with two goals from Cucho Hernandez. Both very good goals. Atlanta United answered with a header from uh, Juanjo Parata for his second goal with Atlanta United. And then there were two goals that were disallowed by Joe Dickerson. The first was a header by Santiago Sosa off a corner kick because he said Sosa shoved a player. If you watch the replay, it doesn't look like there was a shove. It looked like the player got caught between two Atlanta United players who were both going for the ball, and he fell down. The second goal was Edwin Mosquera. When he watched the replay, it was ruled he was offside. It's very, very close. Very close. And as we saw last week, calls can be overturned on replay, but they didn't even go and look at the replay to determine if Mascara was definitely off or not. The stats support the dominance. Atlanta United with two expected goals to 0.73 for Columbus. 24 total shots for Atlanta United, 10 on goal to 12 and 8 for Columbus. But again, they walk away with two less points than they probably feel they should have. Santiago Sosa played a fantastic game for Atlanta United. He had six shots. Ronaldo Cisneros led in expected goals with 0.79. His first touch made it tough on him tonight a little bit. Brooks Lennon and Tiago Almada tied with 71 touches to lead the team. 
Brooks Lennon led in chances created with five, Caleb Wiley with three, Almada and Juanjo Parata with two each, Edward Mascara created two. So those were some of the highlights. We're going to get into some of the audio now, and then we'll go to a break and come back with a few of your questions. We opened by me asking Pineda if this was one of the best games the team has played with one of the most frustrating results. Well, direct question, direct answer, no. I think we, we played so many good games so far and we haven't achieved the results. I remember Miami away. I remember uh, Cincinnati at home, Cincinnati away. I remember Montreal away. I, I felt that we've been doing a lot of good games, but the final result, for some reason, we haven't achieved. Uh, but honestly, it was inspiring the way the, the team played, soccer-wise, but also on the mental side. I felt that they showed a lot of passion. They showed a lot of good attitude, energy, intensity against a very good team. They are a very good team, very good coach. And uh, and today I felt we were superior to a very good team, which, which is encouraging. So the message is let's continue with these type of performances. And at the end of the day, I think after the next eight games, we're going to get a reward. Followed up by asking him about the Santiago Sosa and Amar Sadich pairing. It was the first time the two have been put together in central midfield this season. To be honest, that, that wasn't the plan. That <laughs> wasn't the plan that Sosa was that high. But is is what I love about uh, my players is, and especially Santi, that their energy, they see the game, they adjust. And at times they, we, we plan something on the game and they see and adjust to that and Sosa saw that there was a lot of space ahead of him and Amar did a very good job at complement uh, Sosa's qualities. I felt the, the midfield was very good. I think when Ivara came also was a very good pair. So I think uh, now that we don't have Rosetto, we have to, to adjust a little bit. But I was pleased with the way uh, both uh, San, uh, Santi and Amar played and then obviously also Ivara. I asked Pineda to describe Columbus's two goals. The first one, I think, is a great goal. We have to give them credit. It's a great play. They unbalance us on our left side. We have to do better at covering those gaps and also at defending the crosses. I felt that the second one was more on us, uh, individual defending, defending inside the box. But also you have to give credit to a guy like Cucho. I think he was very good. And, uh, and he did a fantastic play at the end of the day. But uh, overall, again, they scored two very good goals. We scored three very good goals and, uh, and maybe four. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the, in general, the team was, was very good. I asked Pineda if he got an explanation from Dickerson about why the two goals were disallowed. Well, uh, uh, my hands are tied there, though. I'm sorry, but by, by the rules of the league, uh, I cannot speak about the guys making the calls on fouls. So I cannot, I think I can't even tell the, the name of the of their profession, <laughs> but you guys write about it. I mean, you guys watch the, the film and please write about it, analyze the same way you analyze and criticize coaches, players, and dissect every play. Analyze and criticize some of the guys, we coaches, we cannot talk publicly about because our hands are tied and it's frustrating. Uh, but uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is the goal they score at home in a set piece, minimum contacts, and it's the same play. But as I said a few games ago, referees are always right, and we coaches were always wrong. Followed up by asking if they can make up the five-point gap to seventh place. 
Yeah, I think if we if we continue playing this way, uh, no no doubts in my head. We're going to be successful at the end of of the regular season. We're going to make playoffs, and uh, that's that's my belief. Otherwise, we quit and we don't play the next eight games. So, so obviously, for me, I have to believe in the team. When they play this way, it's encouraging to me as a coach and motivates me to do even better with them. Amar Sadic came to the interview room. He's I thought played a really, really good game. I thought he complimented Sosa well. They worked well together. I've asked him the same question I asked Pineda. If this was one of the team's best games with one of the more frustrating results. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think uh, in terms of tactically, uh, we had a good understanding of uh, what our roles and responsibilities were individually and uh, collectively. And I think that uh, we were able to execute it well in terms of what the coaching staff wanted. We created a lot of chances. I think uh, it's a little frustrating, like many times before in the season, where we definitely kind of lose two points. Uh, but nonetheless, I think the, the effort was great, and I think uh, what we achieved on the field was great. And, uh, yeah, we have eight more games to go, and we just have to be optimistic. I follow by asking about the pairing with Sosa. Yeah, no, um, my idea in the midfield is always to kind of have an understanding of where the players are around me. So uh, depending on what space him and Tiago occupied, I would try to kind of counterbalance that to uh, give us a sort of balance and <clears throat> be able to pick up uh, loose balls and then kind of distribute the ball in the run of play and connect passes. And yeah, he ended up being in the uh, opportunities to shoot and he scored a Golasso and uh, it was great. But overall, it was a yeah, great team effort. Sadich was able to shed some light on one of the disallowed goals. I asked him uh, on the little corner kick play we had, he said there was a shove. I don't know who who on or whatever. He just said there was a shove in the box. I didn't get to watch it back yet. I don't know if what you guys saw, but um, from what I heard in the locker room, they said it wasn't a foul at all. It should have been a goal, so I'm not sure. And then asked him how tough it's going to be to try to make up this five-point gap with eight games remaining. It's going to be tough, no doubt, Um, but I think this is a moment for the team to kind of adapt to the adversity we've been dealing with all season long and uh, losing points when we should have won and then um, in terms of when we did win points when maybe we shouldn't have. So I think kind of using this adversity, uh, it builds character, and I think this is now a great time for people to kind of show up and really give everything they got in these uh, last eight games and uh, really come together as a team and make a run. Santiago Sosa was next up. I asked him how it felt to score his first goal in Major League Soccer. I'm very happy to score my first MLS goal. Uh, I had scored one last year in CONCACAF Champions, mm-hmm. so happy to get the first goal. But I think as a group, we're, we're a little bit upset with the result because we felt like we, we deserved enough to, to do better. I could see Sosa and Dickerson walking together at halftime off the field. I thought Sosa might be asking him about the disallowed goal, so I asked Sosa if that's what they discussed. No, he didn't give me a reason as to why he didn't allow the goal. I just told him that um, I moved I moved um, the player in front of me with my hand so as not to bump heads with him. Ask him about being paired with Sadich and, and how did that work? I feel comfortable with Amar because I think we have uh, different characteristics. I think together we, we did a good game. Uh, he has the, the characteristics um, to be able to be uh, able to be a little bit more free than I was. And I think we complement each other really well. Uh, we're able to to handle things um, offensively and defensively. Uh, and I think we did it very well, especially in the in the first half. Sosa had five shots in the first half. I asked him how he got so involved in the offense. I think playing with a back five, it gives me a little bit more freedom to get involved in the attack. I think that's what happened. And I felt very comfortable in, in front of goal. I had a lot of chances, especially in the first half, um, to get those shots on target, like you said. 
Um, so I think that's kind of how it went and, and felt comfortable. And of course, I asked Sosa if the five points, how tough it's going to be to try to make that up. Obviously, it's it's difficult because, well, you know, as we play with, with each game that passes, there's less games and, and less chances to make up the points. But we're remaining with our, our, faith, our faith intact, um, even though tonight was an opportunity we let three points, uh, potentially getting three points slip away. But I think there's still a path for us um, because the teams ahead of us, they're all going to have to play each other um, and, and take points away from each other. So I think we, we have to really win our home games um, and continue to play well, but um, the, the belief is still there. All right. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Doug Robertson. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week, but we are also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. Now let's go to the mailbag. I want to remind y'all that you can leave voicemails now and I'll answer your questions or talk about your statements. And the first, well, the number is 770-810-5297. The first is from Caleb. Hey, Doug. Thanks for answering, uh, taking my questions last week. I got one more for you this week after watching the Columbus game. Cisneros seems like he's really hustling and he really does try and drive and make plays and create chances um, and take chances. I'm wondering what your thoughts are. If is if Joseph Martinez moves out, does Atlanta United search and try and purchase a new starting striker, or does Cisneros get the spot and maybe we Atlanta United spend their money elsewhere, like the midfield? Well, as I talked about, I think, earlier this week, the, they can't move Joseph Martinez out. The only thing they could do is within the league try to trade him if he will agree to be traded or if some other team wants to purchase him if he would agree to a purchase. He's under contract, so they can't just decide they don't want him anymore. If he were to be traded or transferred, I don't know if the team would go after Cisneros. I think knowing their track record, they would probably try to go for a more proven goal scorer because they're still having trouble scoring goals. They create a lot of chances, but still having trouble scoring goals. Um, and 
the roster, there's not going to be a lot of flexibility in this roster. There's only one player who's totally out of contract. That's Mikey Ambrose. There's a couple that they have options on. They've got to figure out what to do with on-loan players, Barco and Lopez. So they've got some tough decisions. Does Carlos Bocadegra have coming up? All right, we're going to go to an email question from Adam, who says, I'm sure tonight was as much a result of the crew's slack marking as it was Atlanta's own changes and increased work rate compared to Wednesday. That being said, if Atlanta plays that way for every rebating match, I imagine they'd win more and they lo- than they lose, and I would certainly feel more positive about the direction of the team. At the least, I hope the team doesn't feel too disappointed in the result. If you didn't cover these earlier in the podcast, I'd like to know your thoughts on the two non-calls by the ref, the possible handball by Mensa in the box, and the advantage allowed in the 80th minute when Dwyer got tackled behind the play, completely taking away the numbers for Atlanta and causing Almada to slow up and lose the ball. I've covered the the two goals that were disallowed. The other things I'm not going to worry too much about. Um, those are happening when the play is fast. The two problems I had with the two disallowed goals is there was never even a, a look at the video monitor. Adam continues, sticking with the theme, Atlanta saw two polar opposites this week in terms of opponents' styles of testing the referee. Red Bulls were there pushing the envelope of physical play versus Columbus with, for tonight anyway, a lot of guys dropping at the slightest touch. Which aspect of those styles do you find most excruciating? Well, Atlanta's, you know, Atlanta's had some divers on its team. So really none of them bother me a whole lot. It's more just inconsistency. That bothers me. And Adam says, thank you for your coverage. Cheers. Chris says, for Columbus's final substitute, Joe Dickerson stopped play while Rios Novo had the ball. Was there an injury or any reason for a stoppage? I think there was an injury. I think there was a player being looked at, and that's why Columbus was able to make another substitution. Um, Otherwise, they couldn't have. And Ricks Carson sent this in before the Columbus game. To me, it is not surprising that Atlanta United shines early, gives up quick goals, wilts, and finally scores to give a little hope. Pineda's starting lineup is dominated by players who mistake possession for control of the game. We pass nicely, naively believing that that is the essence of the game. Meanwhile, teams that are rougher around the edges but tougher around the box take leads against the run of play. I think Pineda should start the same team that was on the field when the last game ended. Men like Lennon, Dwyer, and Gutman are not fancy, but they are powerful. Such a starting lineup might well help Atlanta get early goals and have enough fiber to keep the intensity up. The young, polished, usual starters have an aimlessness about them despite their talents. They're too individualistic. We're at the bottom of the division. Isn't it time to switch it up? Obviously, something's not working. Well, you see that Pineda did switch it up a little bit, and the team played much, much better. Now, I received an email Friday night. I was at the Braves game with a, with a good friend of mine. And it is a very, very long email from John Carolyn. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I think I'm going to put it into a blog and let y'all react to it because it's well thought out. It's very, very interesting. It's probably the email of the decade I've received. And he put a lot of work into it, and I don't want it to go unnoticed. I want it to get responded to, and I wanted to give John a shout-out on the podcast, thanking him for his work with this email, and that I'll probably post it Tuesday morning on the blog. I need to talk to my boss about it. But we're going to wrap up the Southern Fried Soccer podcast. Atlanta United, 2-2 draw at Columbus. The next game is at DC United on next Sunday. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones, and y'all take care.
AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 